Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the next episode of the Carrots and Cake Podcast. Today, I have a special guest. I have Megan Brynock here, who is an FDN practitioner and coach on my team. And I'm really excited to introduce her to the Carrots and Cake community and also get to know her a little bit better. And we're going to talk about hormones, weight loss. I feel with the feel like with the new year here and us opening applications. <laughs> for one-on-one coaching and testing, it's top of mind for a lot of women as far as just feeling their best and looking their best. So let's dive right into it with Megan. So welcome, Megan. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I think this is going to be great. So let's get right into it. So do you want to give us a quick little intro, who you are, what you're all about, um, and maybe just how you ended up here as far as the functional space and even working for Carrots and Cake? Sure, sure. That's always like the golden question, like who the heck are you and why are you talking to me right now? Um, Okay, so my name is Megan. I live in Pennsylvania, born and raised here. I am an army wife, uh, so have been all over the map. Um, So that's interesting. But as far as being in the health space, um, I've actually been in the health space since I am 18 years old. Um, I started off as a nursing assistant, not really sure what I wanted to do career-wise, wanted to get some exposure, and ultimately ended up in ultrasound. So, uh, you know, the conventional medicine model worked in that for a little over a decade of my life. So it's pretty much all I know is like the healthcare space. And um, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I love learning. I'm a lifetime learner. And in 2018, my husband got deployed. And so it was during that time that I committed to bikini fitness competitions because I wanted to keep myself engaged outside of responsibilities. Because as women, we wear a lot of hats and we get inundated with feeling like a loss of identity. And that's actually what I was experiencing. So I went and I did that, became all gung-ho and actually ended up becoming a certified nutrition coach, certified health coach, um, certified personal trainer, literally all within 2018 and my first competition. And I was taking travel ultrasound jobs. I was like living it up. Um, So that was really cool. And over the years, you know, ultimately what ended up happening with me finding FDN was I was doing all the things that were taught um, as far as, you know, being that nutrition coach, being a health coach, being a fitness coach, being a competitor, this quote unquote elite athlete. I was doing all of the things um, while having success in my career and balancing being a wife and all this stuff. And it was 2020, the lovely coveted year of the vid. And I know a lot of people have their stories of that era of our life. And really uh, for me, I was working in the hospital. I was uh, in a management role. So you can imagine that's very stressful, of course, in the midst of it all. But I was still focusing on me, myself, and I outside of that competing. And it was, you know, for anyone who's unfamiliar with competition life, typically you do like, you know, a 12 to 15 week prep because bikini competition prep is like super intense. Well, in 2020, my prep went to 23 weeks for me to see the same progress that I used to see in a 12-week span. 
Um, and of course that has a lot to do with <laughs> the extremes of the dieting and the crazy workouts, um, that go along with that. And then when I came out of a show, I would kind of binge eat and then reground myself and commit to another show. So I could stay strict and rigid because, you know, type a personality over here. Um, but that up and down and up and down and up and down that, you know, hindsight, that metabolic damage, it really spun me out of control. So in 2020, when I stepped on stage for the last time and it was like literally the next day, I couldn't stop eating. I was, I just wanted everything. I was binge eating like crazy because my body was so stressed out, so starved. Um, and within a matter of a couple of weeks, um, I started noticing these other crazy symptoms. Now, I will also say I struggled with IBS since I'm 18 years old as well. But during this time, I had psoriasis all over my chest. Um, this was in 2020. I broke out in psoriasis all over my chest, all over my thigh. I had a miscarriage. I had crazy cystic acne. Uh, my periods got like super painful. I remember laying on the bathroom floor pretty much in tears, um, in pain, you know, heavy clots, lots of bleeding. Um, it was pretty awful and mood swings, anxiety. Um, I would get out of bed in the morning and not have energy. And I was like, uh, I'm pretty young for, you know, feeling this way. Went to my doctors, got the typical, everything looks fine. You know, they tested my thyroid, they tested my hormones, all these blood work labs that they did. And they told me I was fine offered me a pill for an ill, as I say. And I was like, get out of my face. I'm done. Went to the parking lot, started crying um, because I felt hopeless. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like nobody's listening to me. I'm feeling this type of way. I clearly have visual symptoms, but they're still telling me that I'm fine. Um, lo and behold, I found FDN because I went down the rabbit hole of finding answers. And I connected with an FDN and she was just like speaking my language in terms of she heard me. She heard what I was finally saying. I felt seen. Um, she was like, no, this is not normal. And just hearing that alone, no, this is not normal, um, became very empowering to then know, hey, there's actually lab tests that, you know, your doctor doesn't run, but we can run. We can look at why have you had IBS for basically your whole life? You know, why are you having all these problems? Because symptoms are obviously a sign that there's something going on. And so, you know, being somebody who also has that background in medicine, like there's no shade to throw on the medical field at all. Um, there's a time and place for emergencies, necessary procedures, surgeries, and chronic disease management, but it's definitely not, you know, that preventative lifestyle medicine that we so desperately need more of. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, I know, try to keep it short, but it's like hard to fit it all in there. It's been such like this ever going journey, I guess, like forever, it feels like, because I'm in my thirties now. So I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I can relate to a lot of this too, because the journey is so important because I feel like a lot of us have ended up in this functional space because we weren't getting the answers that we necessarily wanted to hear in the sense that, you know, here's a medication yeah. for you, or, you know, everything's normal when you are clearly having symptoms. And I a hundred percent believe, you know, we are in this very 
these are common things that happen to women as they get older. They have like UTIs, mm-hmm. yeast infections and sinus infections and skin issues and mm-hmm. things like that, terrible periods. It's super common among women, but it's not normal. And I also don't think mm-hmm. you need to live your life that way. But yeah, I think the functional space offers different tools as far as healing and getting to your healthiest self. And I have a million questions to ask you after telling us your journey. (laughs) So I kind of want to go back to um, your competition days and whatnot, and really like these symptoms and like, almost like your body was like rebelling against what was going on there. But, you know, being an Mm -hmm. FDN now, understanding hormones and weight loss and metabolism and everything, like, what do you Mm -hmm. think was going on there? Or, you know, for these ladies that are out there listening, who maybe have been chronic dieters, have undereaten mm-hmm. for a long time, are afraid to eat more. I mean, I've had that conversation so many times with ladies. Like, what would you tell them as far as kind of just a health perspective? Like, what could be going on with their mm-hmm. body? And like, really, like, what should they do to get out of that cycle of, you know, under consuming and being super duper stressed? Yeah, yeah. I love this question. And I do honestly think that it's multifaceted. Um, now being an FDN and having this experience, like it's all, it's all about the hindsight, right? <laughs> um, but I think it's multifaceted two ways, you know, thinking about the metabolism, you know, in so much more than calories in versus calories out, because, you know, that only works in our twenties and it does, it definitely works in our twenties, but the metabolic damage that is done over time, like if you are somebody you know, just to paint a a more clear picture, you know, being in competition prep, for example, my calories got down to 1300 was the lowest that I was at. And that's low for somebody who's just sitting on the couch and barely moving, like moving your thumbs to type on the phone and eating 1300 calories a day. That's a freaking workout. You're in a caloric deficit. However, when you are lifting for 45 minutes to 60 minutes in the gym, and then you're, you know, leveling up your cardio over, a certain amount of time to like 60 minutes towards the end of your prep and you're only eating 1300 calories. Can you just imagine like how pissed off your cells are? And like, of course your body is going to rebel. Now, the other multifaceted aspect of, you know, kind of dieting hard and getting down to those low calories and pushing yourself hard is cortisol, which you love cortisol probably as much as I do, Tina. And we know so much about like our circadian rhythm and how cortisol responds. And we should be responding to these acute stressors. We should not have these chronic stressors um, continuously just asking our body to pump out the cortisol, respond to stress, respond to stress. It's just not how our bodies are designed. Um, And so, you know, we also want to think about just the environment that we live in nowadays. The toxins that we're exposed to now is like a hundredfold versus my grandparents. And so that could be considered a stressor. So it's like all these different things. What ends up happening over time is your body gets tired. Like, what is it going to do when cortisol is, you know, we know as FDNs, when your cortisol is high, it is going to take a hit on your gut bacteria. It is going to directly impact how your thyroid is able to convert your hormones into activated hormones. It's directly going to affect what I call your triangle of hormone health, like your 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 brain communicating to your adrenals and communicating to your ovaries. Like you're going to have so many issues and that's when we start to see those subtleties of symptoms. And so I just think the best advice like if I could give my self, my younger self advice, when I was experiencing these things, I would definitely say like, 
please don't ignore it just because you can. And just because, you know, life is busy, don't ignore it. Cause the other thing is, is when you are doing these things that stress your body out, high cortisol makes you feel like superwoman and it makes you feel like you can go, 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 go. It makes you feel like you can operate on five or six hours of sleep or less a night and get up and hit the ground running. And then what ends up happening is after so long, your body becomes depleted. It doesn't, it's just in survival mode. It's barely surviving. You know, you're not able to even break down the food that you're eating because it's just so inflamed and so stressed out. Um, and everybody kind of has a different timeline, you know, based on there is a time and place where genes definitely come into play. You know, I may be able to stay in that chronic stress state for 10 years, someone else 20, someone else five. It really just depends on a lot of different factors. But what ultimately ends up happening if you don't address those symptoms and you don't, you know, talk to a practitioner or at least start asking your doctor to run different tests and start exploring what your options are eventually you will get into what we call that burnout mode where everything is depleted. You know, you're no longer ovulating. Your gut is just, you got leaky gut going on. Your bacteria is depleted. You probably have some sort of pathogen because there's no protection against what you're being exposed to. And it's just really, really multifaceted. But I think it's interesting that this cascade is very at the root it's the same for most of us. Like no matter what set of symptoms or conditions, if you catch it early enough before you are able to detect a disease in the conventional world, you can detect that early enough. The process is very similar to what do we have to focus on to bring your body back into balance? And like, if you could catch it before it gets into that chronic disease state, I think that's really important. Um, I mean, there are diseases that you can reverse through lifestyle and behavioral therapies and stuff like that. But um, obviously, the longer you can go in this lifetime without medication, the better you are. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And I'm glad you brought up the high cortisol because Lord knows I, I I've been there many a times. And yeah, you actually feel like you're kicking ass and taking names and you can live on five hours of sleep and you're doing all the things. But the thing that we learned in FDN school is that high cortisol eventually becomes a low cortisol. And once you have low cortisol, you feel like crap. You have no energy. You have all these hormone problems, period problems, zero energy, zero motivation. You hate your life. It's like the worst. I have been there. But this like depleted, like burnout stage, I think a lot of women, especially when you get to your late 30s and 40s, you've had a couple kids, you're working full time, like you really are in this burnout stage. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit more about like what burnout feels like, like symptom wise, and then also how it relates to weight loss and potentially your body not responding to your efforts. And I know that's like two questions, but like, I feel like a lot of women <laughs> don't realize when their bodies get really, really depleted and burned out, it becomes so much harder to lose weight. So <laughs> that's, that's kind yeah. of where I'm going with this question. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And I love that. And actually earlier you and I were talking and I like my favorite quote that I always say, it's not my quote, I don't know where I found it from, but I always say it to like clients or even friends and family is, you know, we don't lose weight to get healthy. We get healthy to lose weight. And you really just need to define what does healthy mean? Because 
I think diet culture has done us a disservice, like on so many levels to thinking that healthy means going to the gym five days a week and eating salads and eating 1200 calories so we can lose weight. Um, but anyways, to answer your question, uh, question number one. So what does burnout look like? What does it feel like? Uh, well, it looks like on testing, it looks like your minerals are all out of whack. It looks like your cortisol is low, but like feeling wise, you know, how do you know if you're in a state of burnout, if you don't know the first thing about functional labs, if you don't know the first thing, let's say you've never tuned into this podcast before and you're like, well, I know what burnout is like, you're just tired. You're, you're, I don't know, whatever. I, everyone kind of has a different definition of burnout. But to me, when I experienced it, it was the inability to get out of bed, even if I slept like nine hours, it was calling off work because I couldn't get myself out of bed, which is insane. But it was also a personality killer. I no longer felt motivated to do the things that once brought me joy. I stopped going to the gym because of course I didn't have energy, but I'm like, what's the point? Like I would rather sit on the couch and watch Netflix and binge eat this food because that is going to bring me pleasure right now. It's like playing, tugging on those like pleasure strings in your brain. And then it just like mentally screws you over in the long run because then you're like, oh my God, I don't trust myself. And that's a whole nother conversation. But like, you know, burnout really is <laughs> it's what it sounds like. It looks a little bit different for everybody, but just imagine like having no gas in the tank mm-hmm. and eventually you can't push through anymore. Like you can't, it's like, to me, it was my breaking point. To me, it was when I found FDN, it was seeing psoriasis all over my body. And I'm like, holy cow, what's this? It was also seeing my hair fall out in the shower in clumps. Um, It was those really loud symptoms that I couldn't ignore anymore um, because you know, symptoms could be easy to ignore. They're kind of like whispers, but like, man, we are busy. We've got a lot going on. So it could be really, really easy to just chug a coffee and move on and ignore those symptoms. But I think it really becomes when those symptoms start to actually interfere with who you are, what your goals are. Um, You know, maybe you're lashing out on your family and you never used to do that. Just like the things that are starting to become more obvious in which people may also bring up. Like it's not you just noticing them. It's your spouse. It's your best friend. It's your child. Um, so I really think that that paints a, hopefully a good picture of burnout. Um, and then how does that how does that play into weight loss? Well, first of all, you're not going to have any energy to move your body. So that's pretty obvious. But as far as like physiologically speaking, your if your body is in burnout mode, it is in survival mode what it's doing is it's it's going in fat storage mode. It is in protection mode. Anything you eat, it's going to try to store it as fat because it's just like feeling attacked in all directions. And, you know, our metabolism, like I said earlier, it's so much more than calories in versus calories out and how many calories we burn. It's how are your organs functioning? You know, all your organs, they, they need a certain amount of nutrients and sustenance to function. So if you're totally burnt out, it means that your organs are even struggling to do the bare minimum. So the last thing that your body is going to want to do is lose weight because believe it or not, lose weight, losing weight is a stressful uh, process. Like depending on 
where you're at. You know, there's a big difference if you're 150 pounds and you want to get down to 130 versus 230 and want to get down to 170. You know, there's a massive difference there. Um, And what your body fat percentage is like, we all naturally as women, we need body fat. We are, you know, reproductive beings. We need some sort of body fat. Um, You know, thinking back to the competition days when I was down to like 9% body fat, that's not healthy. That is not sustainable. Um, but you know, your body is just going to fight you tooth and nail. And if you are experiencing weight loss resistance, which, you know, that's, that's a symptom. If you can't lose weight, if you are exercising, you're eating healthy and you're getting your protein in, um, and you're doing, you know, you're a pretty health conscious woman and you're not seeing the scale move or you're seeing the scale go up. That is a sure, sure sign that, you know, you're in burnout or your body, at least physiologically speaking, is in burnout. Maybe you're on the brink of burnout and you're like, but I feel fine. Like Tina, how many clients do we have? Um, or in the past, even like they come to us and they're like, well, on a scale of one to 10, like, I don't know, I'm like a three or a four. I really just want to lose this last 10 pounds. And then you get digging into those questions that people don't think about. And then you see the test results and you're like, you need to you need to not do hit anymore. You need to not do CrossFit anymore. You need to really focus on minimizing stress. Like put yourself in a bubble every moment you can throughout your day and just take care of you. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that this is related but unrelated. Like we teach our children to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and to have downtime and to have time for joy and things like that and and hobbies and like sometimes I find uh, that women don't even do that for themselves. So it's like, you know, we kind of lost this sense of taking care of ourselves. And I think that's really, really important, Um, you know, but it it could be hard when life is crazy because it is, it could be hard, but yeah. (laughs) I That was great. I loved your explanation of burnout and giving more of those details because I think we hear burnout all the time and everyone's like, yeah, I'm burned out. I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. But I think just what you said about like, you just couldn't ignore certain symptoms. Like, you know, maybe you have like a bad period or a heavy period or something like that. You're like, eh, whatever, I can just ignore it. And you just move on with your day. But when your whole body breaks out in like a psoriasis or a rash Or I was telling Megan before we started recording, I got strep throat four times in one year. And I was just like, something's going on here. My body is like really out of whack, especially if you're getting like weird skin things or reoccurring infections and, you know, yeast infections and like stuff like that. Like it's your body telling you something. And I think a lot of times we don't make the connection between stress and burnout and being depleted. So I'm glad that you kind of put those pieces together and hopefully it resonates with some ladies because Lord knows personally, and just working with our clients, so many women say that they're not that stressed to the point where we recently added a day in the life stress assessment to our intake forms, because I re- I just feel like we're so used to running at 110% every single day and running around like chickens with our heads cut off. And we don't realize, you know, just how much stress is affecting us. And, you know, to your point about like the testing and things like that, 
I don't think it clicked for me until I ran the functional test and saw the low cortisol and I saw the four lows pattern. And actually on my first test, I think I had a calcium shell, which is very much related to stress and emotional stress and whatnot. But I think it's just really important that, yeah, that we just really need to slow down. The testing can kind of just make it click, but also just what you said about taking better care of ourselves. And I know it's so hard, especially as women, a lot of us are people pleasers. We have a lot of responsibilities, kids, families, and all that. But anyways, for somebody who is listening to this, it resonates with them. They're like, yes, I know I'm stressed. Maybe I'm a little bit burned out. Do you have any first steps, maybe like one or two things that ladies could focus on to just start feeling better? You know, maybe, maybe they want to work with us, but maybe it's not the right time or whatever. I mean, obviously you guys should work with us. We can help you out. But for somebody who's listening is like, I know I just need to start to make changes. What would be just like a couple things that they could do? Um, good question. So of course, this is going to be very individualized. Um, I think the majority of women that come through carrots and cake, so therefore are probably listening to this podcast, or that you know they're in your world. They 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 appreciate what you're bringing. They appreciate your knowledge that you're sharing. Um, so obviously, you're health conscious at some capacity. So uh, it is a little challenging because I don't know what your history is as far as dieting, what your relationship to food looks like, what you're currently doing. Um, so some like super basic things, I think number one would just be self-awareness. And, you know, we brought up stress, we brought up cortisol and like this cortisol cascade that could, you know, it, if cortisol, you have cortisol receptors on every single one of your cells. So if your cortisol is out of whack because of stress, chronic stress, it's going to affect everything. So therefore I think it's really important to start with self-awareness and actually understand what we mean by stress. Because we don't just mean I'm stressed because I got cut off in traffic. I'm stressed because I have to meet a deadline at work. I'm stressed because me and my husband got in a fight. I'm stressed because the kids this. It is so much more than that. And so, you know, we have lifestyle stressors, meaning, you know, are you going to bed at midnight and you're on your phone until midnight and you've got this blue light shining on your face and then you're asking your body to try to go to sleep but that light is blocking melatonin from coming in you know so that could be a simple shift i feel like sometimes um just these lifestyle things that are actually stressors you know we don't even realize that we're doing it um so i guess maybe start thinking about how did my ancestors live you know they woke up when the sun came up they went to bed when you know the sun went down they didn't have electricity they had very dim lights so dim the lights that night like simple things like that um so yeah definitely bring awareness to you know what might your level of stressors be mentally emotionally physically you know are you someone who's working out more than 5 days a week because that that's a stressor i'll tell you that you know working out i mean scientific studies show us working out lifting more than 4 days a week doesn't make a difference in lifting 5 or 6 days a week so there's it is absolutely unnecessary to overtrain your body are you doing hit all the time are you doing crossfit all the time are you always turned on like you know, just try to like take a step back and be really introspective. So, um, of course, you could always reach out to us and be like, hey, how stressed am I? <laughs> um, but I think that's a really good starting point is just evaluating what are some of the simple things that I can do? Doesn't have to be drastic, but like a simple, simple habit. Um, something else that I might say is I'm actually astonished at the 
I guess the word would be lack of hydration that people focus on. Um, when I am reviewing people's intake forms, um, and this has been for years, this has literally been since 2018, since I'm coaching people in health or fitness or whatever have you, Hey, I'm only drinking 30 ounces of water a day and I'm only pooping like three times a week. Okay. Well, we need to get you more water in your system because your water is made up of 96%. Your body, I'm sorry, is made up of 96% water because all of, on a cellular level, all of the, the processes, the communication between everything, it happens by something called mostly osmosis or hydrolysis. It all involves water. We need water to survive. Um, so drink more water. Uh, that would be tip number two and tip number three. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Cause I know you love talking about protein, but it is a hundred, a hundred percent to eat more protein. And even if you don't lift, you know, people always are like, Oh, well, I'm going to go to the gym now. I'm going to start lifting. So I need my protein powder. I need my protein shakes. And it's like, but you should be consuming protein. Even if you're not lifting, like, sure. It's great for muscle health, but like Protein is the building block to absolutely everything. Your neurotransmitters, so how you feel, your hormones are like made of fat and proteins. So don't fear the fats and eat your proteins. Um, you know, ideally, a general rule of thumb for protein intake, eat your lean body mass in grams. That's a pretty simple, straightforward tip um, that you can, I don't know, track your macros and see where you're at. But yeah, that's what I would say. Like, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Like I said earlier, I think diet culture has really, really <laughs> misconstrued our perspective of what health is. And we feel like we have to be all or nothing. Um, and I just, I just think that's doing a massive disservice to us who are trying to look good, feel good and do good things in this world. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. And I love that you kept it simple. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of women get overwhelmed. There's just so much information out there and conflicting information, especially about nutrition. I mean, things in the nutrition world are constantly changing. And I almost feel like the default is almost to do nothing or like make no changes. So I'm glad you identified those three things because I think those are very actionable things that you can kind of get started on like today and continue to work on. And I do think it sets you up for just feeling better, you know, and creating that momentum as far as your health goes. And of course, weight loss and all that. Um, so anyways, want to change gears. I just have some like fun questions that I ask a lot of my guests. It's just to get to know you a little bit better, but definitely get more of like a real life spin on some of the things that you do every day to keep yourself healthy. So what would be a non-negotiable in your self-care or wellness routine that, you know, it's something you do every day or something that just really helps you as far as just staying on track with your health? I love that. Um, so I would say number one, if I had to like make a rank list in order, number one would absolutely be my planner slash journal. Um, that is something that allows me to plan my day, obviously, but I also have like a habit tracker and, you know, it allows me to focus on one thing at a time in my personal life to maybe improve and maybe be like, I'm not going to bed at 10 to 1030 like I like to. So let's change that. Or man, this holiday season, I've been drinking a little bit more wine than I like to admit. So let's work on that a little bit or whatever have you. So my planner is everything. It's always in my purse. Um, and it has a journal in it. So it allows me to spend time with myself, whether it's five minutes or on the amazing days where I might get like 45 minutes to an hour, 
I can reflect. I can make sure that I'm doing what I say that I'm going to do. I can make sure that, um, you know, I'm just on track with my goals in my health and fitness. Um, whether that's my workouts, do I need to update my workouts? Do I need to change things? Um, I don't know, just visit my goals. But I do really think that without a planner and without journaling, I would never be able to stay true to myself and fill my cup up first and make sure that I'm also, you know, not flying by the seat of my pants and just like, I'm actually scheduling my days. I'm time blocking things so that they actually get done in my personal life, professional life, and my health and fitness goals. Um, if you don't make time for them, you know, it's not like what it, one of the biggest things that I think, and I've said it too, we've all said it. I don't have time for that. I don't, I just don't have enough time. I'm so busy, but you're never going to find time. You have to create time for the things that matter in your life. And that's why I think a planner slash calendar with a journal, if you can, um, it's the best thing ever for sure. Yeah. I love that. And I'm, I, I'm glad you called that out too. As far as just like self-reflection and, you know, mentally focusing on what you want to achieve and goals. And like you said, there's never enough time. I mean, that's all of us. We all have the same 24 hours, but I mean, even taking like five or 10 minutes to like jot down a few notes can definitely help you focus. I'm the exact same way. I journal, I have my journal right here, actually. Um, journal all the time. Um, mine's more like mindset stuff, but I definitely weave in some goals mm -hmm. and I am obsessed with my Google calendar. Like everything is on there, even like the littlest things, but it's so important. I mean, you just need to make the effort. And that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of us want to change and we want to have new habits, but if you're not consistently working on them, it doesn't just magically happen. So I think something like a journal or just taking a few notes here and there and like really like writing it down can make such a difference for like actually making it happen. And of course, you know, like hiring a coach, you have somebody to be accountable to. So just throwing that in the mix too. Um, so kind of related, do you have any advice for just improving your mindset or like staying motivated? Um, because, you know, a lot, I think a lot of women have health goals or weight loss goals. And like I was saying, it doesn't just happen overnight. Like it can take many, many weeks, many, many months, but do you have like just any advice for just staying motivated, staying the course, especially like when you might not be seeing that quick progress? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, because I think like so many of us want these health goals and we want to do better. We want to be better. Um, but it can also become really hard when you're not, you know, surrounded by necessarily like, sure, you might have a support, supportive spouse, supportive partner, but maybe they don't necessarily care about their health right now as much as you do that type of thing. Um, I just think it's really important to find uh, whether it's like you know, an accountability partner with your bestie who also maybe has similar goals and you guys could just check in with each other. Um, or it's, you know, surrounding yourself by like-minded people in a Facebook community because there's like tons of them and carrots and cake Facebook community is awesome. And like, there's so much in there that if you're struggling with something, if you're struggling with the mindset, you can just search in there or you can comment in there and you could be poured on with love and support and get your questions answered. Like people at, like human nature is to want to feel inclusive and to feel obviously seen and heard and supported. So like, if you're not finding that in your life, find it elsewhere. Cause there's so many resources available. Um, 
And also I'll add in another thing. It kind of relates to journaling and having a planner and stuff would definitely be to write your goals down. Like what is it that you actually want to achieve? Like have that clarity. I think clarity is often really difficult for some women, but like until you know exactly what the goal is that you want, why you want it, why is this so important to you? You know, why do you want to lose weight? Oh, well, I want to fit in my jeans. Cool. But like, what the heck is that going to do for you? Who cares if you want to fit in your jeans from a couple of years ago? Nobody cares. Like, why is that important to you? Are you going to feel more confident putting them on and go public? Maybe you're, you know, not going to social events because you can't stand your clothes because nothing fits. And so you just make up excuses and you don't go anywhere. Like, I don't know. You you really just have to have that ultimate clarity with yourself about what you want and why it's important. Like, I love this thing that I learned um, in one of my business masterminds. It was the five levels of why. I believe it's in one of oh, a book yeah, I read carrots. too. Oh, maybe. I say it's in the carrots and cake uh, paperwork as well. We use it. Yeah. Is it really? I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. I should yeah. know these things. <laughs> so I love that because it's like, that really helps you get to that true reason why. Like, Otherwise, I just don't think you're going to do it unless you're motivated and you're realizing, you know, people aren't going to change. You're not going to make a change. I'm not going to make a change until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of making the change. So until you realize what that disconnect is, it's probably not going to happen. You're probably going to think about it for a day and then maybe a couple months from now be like, crap, I never did that thing that I said I wanted to. So that would be my best advice. Yeah, no, I love that. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I do think like getting to the root of the why. So like that five whys exercise, I have, you know, we've done that with like many clients over the years, but a lot of times it starts as, you know, I want to lose weight, but when you really dig into it, it's like, I want to get off my high blood medic high blood pressure medication, or, um, I want to feel, you know, confident in a bathing suit. Like you really get into like what that driving motivation is. And a lot of times that's a lot more motivating than simply a number on the scale or, you know, achieving a certain pant size or something like that. So I love that. That's a great exercise. Maybe I can include that in the show notes. Cause it's a good one. It's a good one. It takes, you know, five or 10 yeah. minutes to fill out, but I love, I love that one for sure. Um, yeah. and then do you have a fun or favorite life hack or health hack when it comes to cooking or meal prep or exercise or like an app or tip mantra, anything that like is like a hack that really just helps you stay the course? I would definitely answer this question by saying cycle syncing my fitness. That changed oh, yes. everything for me. Um, so I think like one of the biggest things with that would be, hey, when, you know, the day or two before my period, when my energy is naturally low, I'm not going to go balls to the walls and try to hit a PR or, you know, try to sweat my butt off doing, I don't know, a crazy hit workout or whatever. Not that I really I don't ever do hit. So I don't know why I said that, but definitely cycle syncing my fitness and like knowing, oh my gosh, it's the week of ovulation. No wonder why I can hit my PRs. No wonder why I, you know, just lifted for 45 minutes and I still want to, you know, turn on a dance class on my Peloton and just keep dancing and keep moving. I feel like Beyonce. I want to talk to everyone and, you know, not even just my fitness, but knowing, you know, cycle syncing from a logical standpoint and like how you, your brain operates and emotionally speaking, like what you're more naturally inclined to do, uh, 
cycle syncing just changed my life. And I feel like it's a huge biohack for women. It's almost like a, a secret superpower, honestly. Like if you could leverage what your body is doing, you're going to know even down to journaling. I know what questions to ask myself at different times of the month, because there's no way during, you know, let's say again, I'll use ovulatory phase, like the week of ovulation or that five days or so that window when you just want to be more social and outgoing and you, that's when you want to be like action oriented versus the hibernation phase of your period. That's when you want to be introspective. That's when you want to reflect on this past month, look forward to the next month. And it's almost like it's a cycle. And it's like you go through these motions. And if you go through the patterns after like two or three months, I'm more productive, even when, you know, rest is productive. And I never, ever used to believe that, but it is. It really, really is. And so it's honoring your body and giving it more of what it needs and less of what it doesn't need. And magically, I have been able to literally maintain my body weight for like two years, even going through um, like fertility treatments and a miscarriage. Like my body has been the same weight for two years as I've been cycle syncing. And I just attest it to, I, I really do attest it to all of those behaviors that go into it. My fitness, my nutrition, you could change your nutrition a little bit. I'm one of those people. I don't like to be really rigid. I know that there's a lot of um, coaches and practitioners out there who say like, oh, you know, this phase of your cycle, you need to be eating this. And this phase of your cycle, you need to be eating that. And that's all fine and dandy, but I just don't have time for that level of like detail. So I just, I don't do that, but you could. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's like um, probably my best advice there. I'm trying to think of the name of the woman who wrote the book. I think it's called Woman Code or Girl Code, Elisa Vitti. Yep, yep. Yeah. So like, if you've never even heard of cycle syncing or you've heard about it and you don't know what it is, that book was actually the first book that I read Mm -hmm. and, you know, you could get lost in the details, but over like overall, I think just kind of grasping the natural ebbs and flows of the month and harnessing that and not fighting it. I think that that is a serious biohack that could help women. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a big fan of cycle syncing. It kind of like blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? Because like, there's definitely days you go into the gym and you're like pumped to work out. You want to get sweaty. You want to lift heavy things. You actually have like a stronger grip at certain times of the month too, which is like really interesting. They've done studies on that. And then there's times of the month where you're like, I don't want to be here. I don't have the energy. You feel like a weakling. You know what I mean? And I was actually telling um, some of the ladies at the gym where I work out that, you know, we've been doing pull-ups for probably like a month now. And there was a week where I was crushing pull-ups and maybe like a week or two later when I was closer to my period or like the week before my period, I was like, I'm so weak. I can't do any pull-ups. You know what I mean? Or I can barely do any, (laughs) but it's just, it's just because of your cycle and those energy levels and those wonderful hormones. But I do think when you kind of like recognize where you are in your cycle, it gives you almost 
permission to either go hard on that workout or maybe be a little bit more low key. And I think when you start to really mm-hmm. tune into that, you almost like crave different types of exercise too. So like the days leading up to my period, I'm like, you know what? A walk sounds really nice today. <laughs> like I don't want to do cardio sprints on the bike. You know, I'm just going to be like more low key, but I, I do think it yeah. goes back to just like knowing your body, knowing your cycle, knowing your energy levels. Um, but yeah, big, big fan of cycle thinking. Um, I actually have a master sure. if anybody wants to learn more about it with some helpful resources. Oh. I'll include it. Oh, that's video. awesome. I'm just like pimping all of our offers and programs right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. I love the word you just used permission. Like that is probably the best word that I've heard associated with cycle thinking. Cause that it really is like we hold ourselves to such high expectations and permission to rest, permission to go balls to the walls, permission to whatever the case may be. I think that's awesome. And also like talking about this, if you tune into your body and you learn, I think this stuff should be taught in high school. I honestly, I really do. Um, I know a lot about it because I was an ultrasound tech and in nursing and all of that. And when I learned about it, I'm like, oh, well, duh. Like, yeah, duh. That makes sense. But I never knew like, oh, when my progesterone was peaking, this is how I feel. When my estrogen was peaking, I didn't know like tangibly speaking how that actually played a role in my life. But if you do learn about cycle syncing and then you're like, oh, well, you know, the luteal phase, that 10 to 14 day window before your period, you should actually feel calm, cool and collected and like bringing things to a close and wanting to finish projects and stuff like that. If you don't feel that way as you naturally should, hey, guess what? That's a strong indication that maybe you're not ovulating or maybe you are ovulating, but your body is so stressed out that it's not sustaining a high progesterone. So like that could be another tip to tune into your body and, you know, know what it, know what you need to look for to know if something is out of whack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I agree. I feel like we should have all learned this back in like fifth or sixth grade instead of them showing us that like crazy movie in class that you're just like, what? And everybody <laughs> did everything. But I do think it's so important, especially for like, yeah, fitness for sure, energy levels, but also just like emotions and moods. And there's like a lot of memes and stuff out there. Like you feel like a crazy person and then you get your period and like, you know, stuff like that. But like, even just like how you feel like um, New Year's Eve was the other day and it was like the first day of my period. And like the last thing I wanted to do was be around people and be social. And like, it was one of those things. Like, I think if I didn't realize where I was in my cycle, I'd be like, Oh, I'm such a party pooper. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't I want to go out and have fun, but it was, you know, the first day of my period, I went out, I, I did have fun, but I just knew in the back of my head, I'm like, of course, like this is a time where you might be a little bit more introspective and like, you don't really want to be social. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally fine, you know? So anyways, I I'm a big fan of cycling in the sense that it just helps get you or you get to know yourself better. So you can kind of deal with all these hormone fluctuations because, you know, it's a, it's a fun, a fun cycle that we all go through every month. Oh my gosh. I know we have a different body and different emotions every single week. And our poor husbands, I, I like trained my husband to know, like he knows when I say no to social events, like, cause we're very social people and like, we always have stuff going on on the calendar. But like, when I start saying no, he just knows he's like, it's fine. Go on the couch, relax. 
you know, go in the tub, read a book, do whatever you got to do. Just don't talk to anyone. And I also trip over my words a lot. Like, I don't know if you noticed that. I think it's hilarious. It's like, what's that word for? Or like, actually, I just did it a few times on on this podcast because I'm like, oh, my period is due like any day. And no wonder why I can't put words or sound like, you know, an educated woman. I just sound like, I don't know, a cave woman sometimes <laughs> before my period. <laughs> I get that too. And especially like, we're going to talk about cycle sync in this whole episode, apparently, but like, you know, during like that ovulation time, like they say, you're a little bit sharper, you're a little bit better with your words and things like that. And I can definitely say like, I feel like I've crushed them podcasts during that time of the month. And then, yeah, there's other times where I'm tripping over my words or I don't know what to ask or, you know what I mean? So um, it's, it's sure. so interesting. I, I love it. It just, it just helps you learn so much about yourself so you can navigate <laughs> better. Uh, (laughs) So uh, another fun question for you. Um, So what would you consider your superpower and why? I love asking this question to my guests. Ooh, that's interesting. So I have to ask for context because again, I'm type A. So as far as the superpower goes, (laughs) are you talking about personally, professionally, um, like working with clients, you know, in what regard? I guess any of those would work. I'm trying to think. So I'm trying to think what people have said in the past, but like anything that you feel like you're especially good at or something maybe you're proud of. Mm, I feel like a superpower for me, um, I hear this a lot is maybe not all the time, but like my ability to articulate difficult, um, I guess kind of like illustrate a picture. Like I like to tell stories to help people understand really difficult, intricate topics in science, especially like, even though talk, even talking to my mom or my sister or a friend, but clients too, like I just have this way, I guess my perspective is different. Um, and I like to make things really like elementary level as much as I possibly can. Um, because otherwise it's just like, who cares? Not everybody cares about science the way that you do, Megan. Like, who cares? Get, you know, um, I guess that would be it. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's great as a practitioner too, because we love the science. Like we nerd out about it. I mean, I love tests. Like literally every test that comes in, I have to look at it. And like, you know, you guys are helping me out with the interpretations and the protocols, but I have to look at every test. I just have to see what's going on. And especially like the minerals, like my family like makes fun of me at this point because I get so obsessed with the minerals and so excited about the minerals and they just think I'm a huge dork. But I think that's great as far as a practitioner, because yeah, I think a lot of times people want to bring it down to a level that they like understand, of course, but also in the sense that it's very doable for them or something that they can implement right away. Because if you can't bring the science and data to like a real life level, it's kind of like, well, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I make changes? How do I feel better? So I think that's yeah. a great superpower, especially as a practitioner and yeah. a coach. Um, well, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, last question here, you know, before we wrap up, um, is there a book or podcast or resource that you would recommend to somebody that, I don't know, is getting started with their health or maybe the hormones. I know you recommended Woman Code, which was literally the first hormone book I ever read. So big fan of it. I keep looking over because it's on my shelf. It's one of my favorites. But anything like that, that you just found so, so helpful and could be like a really 
great resource for somebody that's like, I want to learn more about hormones, or I want to learn more about metabolism or stress or, you know, any of the things that we talked mm-hmm. about today. I know that's a very vague, wide question. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. So I love sharing like, so as a practitioner and as a coach, I'm going to share a resource that I still use pretty much regularly. It's often a go-to, um, but you know, Dr. Google is not the answer. You need to know how to be a researcher and you need to know how to find like these reputable people and, you know, outside of your Instagram, cause you share like so much valuable educational content to help women identify like what may be going on with them, what they can do about it, which I absolutely love. Um, I'm all about that, but I do think obviously, even as a coach and practitioner, you know, we don't know everything. We by no means know everything. There's always things that we come across, like a symptom we never heard of or a set of symptoms or I don't know, just anything. And instead of going on Dr. Google and finding out that you're probably going to die when you ask Dr. Google what's going on, because that's always what happens, I would type in what is going on. Like, I don't know, just whatever symptom. And then Dr. Axe. I don't know if you know who Dr. Josh Axe is, but he is someone that I've always looked up to actually his brother is like a thyroid guru. I think he's down in Florida and I actually had a consult with him. Great guy, super nice guy, but his brother, Josh Axe, Dr. Josh Axe, I think he's like on TV and stuff. I don't know. He has a bunch of YouTube videos, but I love his blog articles because it explains it's just, he keeps it so organized that you always know what to expect. It's always going to tell you what it is. He gives the science he gives the symptoms, he gives the root causes, he gives natural approaches to what you may be able to do for it. Um, but he's also a functional medicine doc. So he knows the power of the tests that we like to nerd out about. And, you know, he infuses all of these different perspectives because um, one symptom can overlay a million different things. So it's never just one symptom. Um, so yeah, I really, I love using him um, instead of Dr. Google. You go on Google, but make sure you type in his name and look at his articles. They're fabulous. Um, and then I'll give another resource that I absolutely love, the Environmental Working Group, because if you don't know who the EUG is, you are absolutely missing out. I have their app on my phone. I think it's just called Healthy Living. Um, and it's like green. It almost looks like there's like a little circle or a thumbprint, but you can look up anything on there. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of products to, I don't know if it's food or if it's personal care or if it's cleaning, they rate their, you know, their products on a scale of one to 10. And they just, they make it that elementary level straightforward to know, Hey, is this good? Or is this bad? Like I was shocked just a couple of weeks ago to find out that the one version of Dawn dish soap is actually, it should be EWG verified. I think it's the orange one and it's like antibacterial. And I was like, this is fabulous because this is only $3 for the big bottle. And, you know, this natural, clean and healthy one is $10 for the small bottle. So I'm definitely going to get the Dawn dish soap. Um, So I love it for saving money and just like having that confidence in my products that they're not crap, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, those are both great resources. So thank you for calling those out. And yeah, I'm a big fan of the EWG as well. We're always checking uh, various water sources. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we're looking at uh, HDMA tests. So oh, that is yeah, a good one yeah. for sure. 
Well, Megan, this has been awesome. I'm so glad you were here. Um, I feel like we covered a lot and hopefully our reader readers, I'm so used to talking about the blog, our listeners will find this helpful and appreciate everything that you had to offer here. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, I hope the same. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a fun conversation.